Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hey, everybody. So today we're going to be continuing our ongoing series, looking at EDH rec data and trying to see what we learn about the format and what opportunities might exist for new commanders. Last time, we talked about the five monocolor decks, as well as mono brown. Yeah. <laughs> and then this time, we're going to be going into the color pairs, but it's not going to be ally or enemy. We're going to be talking about the five guilds of Ravnica in anticipation of yeah. its uh, upcoming release. We'll get to like what the colors are kind of missing, what we, we think the holes are, all that kind of good stuff from last time. So, I think we can go ahead and get started with Demir. Yeah. So the top Demir commander with 1,396 decks is Phoenix, God of Deception. Yeah, I was actually surprised by this. Yeah, that was also not what I was expecting. But the majority of these decks are mill decks. If you look at the signature cards, it's all things like Fleet Swallower, Consuming Aberration, Fraying Sanity... Tree of Perdition, of course, present for its large toughness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Eater of the Dead, the sweet combo piece. Yeah, that's pretty Phoenix. red. Yeah. This seems to be, like, the commander that people use for their mill decks. And, uh, unfortunately, I, d I don't have a lot of experience with Phoenix. A friend of mine built a Phoenix self-mill combo deck that seemed quite powerful. Yeah, I think that, honestly, is probably the, I mean, the best way to, way build, to it. build it. Yeah, because you don't have to worry about, like your opponent's having Eldrazi or that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, black is so good at playing out of its graveyard, and it's often more efficient to try to mill yourself to win. Yeah. Because a lot of mill cards are target player. Like, Glimpse the Unthinkable is not doing a whole lot in a format when you've got, say, three opponents, each yeah. with 100 cards in their library. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're hitting yourself... That's actually that's a lot more impactful. Yeah, they get a lot more more value out of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this deck is is pretty solid too. Like I was surprised to see. Well, I guess actually thinking about, it, I'm not surprised that a mill deck is as popular as it is, just because that strategy is so popular. Mm -hmm. But I was surprised that the lack of good stuff cards. Like when you look at a lot of these decks, like a lot of the cards will be oracle of moldiah or mm -hmm. something like that and in this deck it is really people just going hard on the mill strategy like and or things that untap creatures and that's kind of cool <laughs> it's yeah. it's interesting i think over the course of this this series we're going to get we're going to either confirm or deny like a long-held suspicion i've had yeah <laughs> which is that the more colors you add to a deck, the more likely it is to devolve into good stuff. Yeah, I um, think that's definitely true. So I think that w I think that will well. I don't be, know confirmation bias. Be, I don't want a confirmation bias. <laughs> it'll be proven or disproven over the course of this series. So yeah, uh, going to be an exciting finding. It's interesting in contrast to the next two um, commanders yeah. too, which uh, coming in at number two is Gisa and Drolf, which has. 1,225 decks, um, and then the third place is the Scarab God with 1,136 decks. For what reason do you choose to group these two together? <laughs> so both of these, if you were to click on them on EDH Rec, have the tag Zombie, Tribal Zombie. Scarab God, not as much as I thought, which I, I think actually agree with. It makes sense, yeah. It totally makes sense, uh, whereas if you look at the Gisa and Giralf, it's like what is it ninety something ninety six percent tribal mm -hmm. zombies, which also I agree with. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
like you send your elf do what zombies want to do they fill up your graveyard they give you value out of your graveyard i think that the scarab god is better like for a, a few reasons but i also think that it's not as it, it it's not directly a zombie you don't need to directly make a z- zombie tribal deck you can just work off the zombie payoffs with scarab god uh, yeah i have a lot of opinions um I think that with the Scarab God, I don't think it's correct to commit heavily to the zombie theme. Like, I think it makes sense to have a few of the zombie, like the most powerful zombie tribal cards, but really the Scarab God doesn't need zombies to be good. Sure, he makes zombies, but like how many zombies are you going to have from the Scarab God on on the field at any one time? Yeah, I, I think that that kind of actually comes through on some of the, like, uh, top cards and signature cards are pretty similar, but mm-hmm. there's a lot more good stuff in the top cards of Scarab God. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's because, like, if you look, Tribal Zombie for Scarab God is uh, on EDH Rec is 60%. So I think people are kind of honing in on that. Like, they're playing mostly the zombie rewards, um, which I don't necessarily, like... Diagraph Captain, I'm not sure I would yeah. put in stuff like that, but something like Endless Ranks of the Dead is probably fine. Something like the things that reward you... Um, Maybe like a Graveborn Muse. Graveborn Muse. Those kind of things, I think, are totally reasonable zombie tribal payoffs. Yeah. I, the, the thing about the Scarab God is that you really don't want to be hitting your own graveyard with the, the ability. Like, yeah. <laughs> exiling your own stuff... For value in Commander is usually not good because yeah, and then games it, go long. You want to recur stuff. Yeah, it goes away forever. Yeah, but uh, it's great to use on your opponent's stuff. And the best way to like get creatures into your opponent's graveyard are to run like efficient black spot removal mm-hmm. or efficient blue counter spells. So like the deck naturally just wants all these blue and black efficient answers. Yeah. So that really pulls the deck towards good stuff. Like mm-hmm. it seems like the ideal playstyle is just answer your threats and use very little mana to do so, yeah. and then I'm going to cast my commander, who's incredibly hard to kill, and get <laughs> value by stealing the creatures out of your graveyard. Oh yeah, definitely. So you you may have noticed that that game plan doesn't really have a lot of room for you know Army of the Damned. Yeah, which uh, is one of the top cards on EDH track. <laughs> um, which I, I mean I can see why when people see like. Opponents lose X, you scry X, X number zombie. Like, I could see why they would do that. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I can see, like, the large number as an incentive. But I, I also agree that that isn't necessarily the best game plan. Yeah. And then uh, moving over to Gisa and Giralph. Giralph? I don't know if it's yeah, RNG I don't. Not. I actually don't know either. I'm. I'm kind of just whatever yeah, feels doing. right. Yeah. <laughs> With Gisandrolf, I think that like building zombies is the. Pro- I mean, it's probably the correct way to build them. Yeah. But I also don't think that it's like a very strong deck. I don't think yeah. that the war the reward it gives you <laughs> is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, just looking through the deck list, if you look at what the most popular cards are. It's how, like yeah. how many blue cards are you seeing? I'm I'm seeing like maybe four or five that actually matter. Yeah, the the one that actually matters is Rooftop Storm. Mm-hmm. That's like the only one that is like a thing. I think maybe like Havengul Lich. Maybe like maybe maybe like I'm scared of God. <laughs> uh, Undead Alchemist maybe, but the the point is like there really are just very few tribal zombie cards that are blue that yeah. this deck wants to play. Yeah. And that makes like a 
compelling argument for why the tribal zombie commander should probably just be mono black. Yeah, I agree. Like I built a Verena list. I think that deck has not not including the commander. <laughs> I think it has three blue mana symbols and maybe four or five white, white. symbols. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean to be fair, I could always like add in a lot more good stuff from those other colors and and take out my zombies. But like in terms of themed cards, it's just ve- it's sparse. It's clearly a mono black deck. Yes. Yeah. That's it's uh man, yeah that that, that that I don't know. We're we're going to talk a little bit more about that in regards to tribal mm-hmm. a few times. So that it it just seems like this reward like it's it's really cool to be able to cast the zombies out of their graveyards, but they haven't really printed that many zombies that are just kind of good enough mm-hmm. at doing something like you cast the zombie get a like a very big reward or, or like a reasonable reward that you'd want to do mm-hmm. each turn like a lot of them build off of each other so like when you only get one a turn that's not necessarily well, the best. <laughs> yeah i also um uh, this might not be the podcast for it but whatever <laughs> you guys are getting free opinions today yeah. i've been thinking a lot more about both varina and kestia the cultivator i don't think i like commanders where the reward is so strong that rather than allowing you to play the cool cards in that subset that it's rewarding you for it just rewards you for playing the cheapest ones oh okay so with castia the cultivator for example the deck isn't rewarding you for playing your gods for example like Mm -hmm. three four five cost yeah enchantment enchantment creatures the ones that people are really excited about what it's actually rewarding you for is curving out like trying to get (laughs) enchantment creatures on the battlefield on turns one two and three yeah so that when you drop kestia you draw three cards yeah so you end up playing like observant all see it and and all these like really terrible limited fodder enchantment creatures yeah (laughs) and i don't think that I mean, yes, it's it adds new cards to the format, but it's cards that nobody was nobody excited wanted. to play. Yeah, nobody, like it does. Like those cards aren't fun to just play. These terrible, terrible, yeah, enchantment creatures. Yeah, these bestow creatures. And to and, be fair, uh, they didn't really print that many good bestow creatures. Yeah, fair so, enough. Maybe we'll get. Maybe that will change up on the return to Theros. Maybe but, one day. <laughs> but like Verena, it's kind of the same thing. Verena is not rewarding you for playing Army of the Damned yeah. or Micaeus or even like uh, Havengul Lich. Mm-hmm. Verena wants you to play Carnifage and Diagraph mm-hmm. Ghoul and Gravecrawler and get your curve yeah. going. Oh, yeah, Sarcomancy and stuff like that. Yeah. A classic. Yeah. How could I forget? Exactly. So, like, I think that there's a deft touch required for finding the right reward so that it's not like incredibly underpowered, like. Gisa and Garalf, where even if you are fully committing this theme, you feel like it's not even worth it. Mm-hmm. And I, you also don't want to go too far in the other direction, where it's like, I'm not even getting to play the cool cards that wanted me, that made me want to build a zombie deck, mm-hmm. because the the pressures that this commander is exerting force me to put my curve way low and play just the cheapest things rather than the, the best and most exciting things. Yeah, yeah, I think that is kind of i don't know that's going to be a sub theme too <laughs> there's a few sub themes here where like the optimal build is not the build that people do simply because those aren't the cards that they wanted to play yeah you're gonna hear us say this a few more times today i think like mark rosar has said before you want the correct 
play to be the fun play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I di- and I with the those two recent commanders as an example, they aren't building the way they should be building. Yeah, and we're going to talk about a few more of them, I think, but to round out Demir, the top five, um, I think you had a point to make about the next one, but I'm just going to finish off the top. I'm going to say the next two. Number four is Lazav Demir Mastermind at 1,036 decks. That is interesting. It makes sense. I, I know Lazav is very popular. The thing that's interesting about Lazav is that people built it shapeshifter tribal, like clone tribal. Yeah. Of the signature cards, the most <laughs> most played signature card is Demir Doppelganger with 64% of the 1,000-ish decks. Next is Evil Twin, also in the top five signature cards yeah. are Stunt Double and Body Double. Yeah. Two other clones. And then, you know, we've also got Clever Impersonator. There are some mill cards within the signature cards. We've got Consuming Aberration, Mirko Vosk, Mind Grind, but those are the kind of cards you would expect in a commander that explicitly rewards milling. Yeah. Whereas the the shapeshifters are all those seem out of left field. They don't Yeah, they don't synergize with your commander other than the fact that your commander maybe became something cool, so you get get, another one of it. But that's that's also like that that's such a hard A B thing going on like you your clone it's, a, it's like a pretty tenuous connection yeah yeah it's it's a very strange kind of line of play like oh i'm gonna mill them until i get something good and then play all these clones as a copy of that thing that's yeah. really that's a that's a stretch it's more likely that there aren't that many legendary shapeshifters as we are learning over the course of this series people will take the type line Yes. As a, as a guide. As opposed to the text box. More frequently than they should, yeah. Yeah. It's highly possible that people just wanted a deck in which to play all their shapeshifters. Yeah. I, I, I mean, looking at this, this, that seems to be the case. Like, we saw it with Angels. Uh, spoiler, we're going to see it again with Angels. Yeah. I think that's what's going on here, is people are like, oh, like, a cool shapeshifter... This is my shapeshifter tribal deck. Like, mm-hmm. even though a lot of them, like some of them, keep the type shapeshifter, but not most of them. I know most clones just become the thing. Yeah, it's only like really like quirky clones that keep your like ninja type line or shapeshifter type line. Do you have anything else you want to you'd like to oh, say no. about Lazav, or would you like to? Move no, on yeah, to the next I one? totally. I think that covers most of it. Okay, so the. Fifth most popular Demir commander is Una, Queen of the Fae. She has 893 decks on EDH Rec, and the signature cards definitely point in a very clear direction. Yes. Um, can, you, can you guess, listener at home, what that direction might be? Of the top ten signature cards, there is Scion of Una, <laughs> Glenelendra Liege, Spell Stutter Sprite, Fairy Trickery, Fairy Harbinger, <laughs> Una's Blackguard, Glenelendra Archmage, Fairy Artisans, and Puppeteer Click. Yeah, oh, and then uh, near the bottom, there's also the everyone's bitter favorite Bitter Blossom. Yeah. yeah, yep. It's notable that only about half. It seems like only about half of the Una decks are tribal fairies. But given that she really doesn't do anything for tribal yes. fairies, it's, yeah, it's clear that uh, the community want, has a need that is not being met, and yeah. so they just go with Una as, like, the most decent option. Even yeah. when Una is clearly more of, like, a a combo finisher for when you have infinite mana. Yeah, definitely. I think just the fact that she makes tribal fairies... Because there aren't really that many rewards for 
just having a bunch of fairies in general mm-hmm. beyond the like colorless cards that exist for all of the the colors in general like obviously coat of arms and there's other colorless rewards for this but that's true of any like you can literally just put coat of arms into any yeah. deck that has similar like that's not like that's not a brew mm-hmm. that's not that's not a, a deck list opportunity to segue into what blue black is missing then yeah definitely uh so tribal fairy commander that's an easy one yeah yeah tribal fairies is very wanted apparently <laughs> yeah this might be a moot point because we have arena and we have geese and Grelf, but i would like to see a better zombie tribal commander yeah i actually agree with that though because we have two tribal zombie commanders quote quote but they don't like actually do the thing the tribe wants to do yeah like at all like not very well at all gisa is better but it's really unfortunate that uh this card has the human type line yes it's not a zombie itself yeah because there's like the some of the cards you want to play in this zombie deck are like call to the grave yeah noxious school yeah so that's a little sad yeah definitely yeah i think that that's uh at, like a bigger hole than people think or, it or is. like zombie apocalypse yeah like. yeah <laughs> which is still actually running both of those decks it looks like and mm-hmm. in scarab god i understand a lot of the other commanders are kind of good stuffy so i i think i would just th- this is kind of a problem that mark rosewater also talks about is that blue black have uh like their rares can be really splashy and mill is a big theme but they don't have enough mechanical overlap mm-hmm. so i think this is going to be a thing that we'll hopefully see in the next few sets is them trying to expand the space of what blue black can do. I think now that black has flash or they're experimenting with black having flash, mm-hmm. I think we might see some kind of like tricky things going on or something like similar to Vela where like things leaving or entering at weird times, something like that. What I'm interested in is seeing how the new Demir mechanic yeah actually plays because because into... like more graveyard synergies are always cool and interesting um mm-hmm. for for those who have not yet seen it the demir mechanic is surveil so it's scry but instead of having the option to put the card on the bottom of your library you can put it in your graveyard instead so that seems really great for enabling graveyard synergies yeah i'm expecting a surveil card with like so i'm assuming it's like surveil x i think that's what it was kind of that's that's kind of how I saw it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting like a four uh, C, but like surveil, mm-hmm. like like surveil four, and then draw some amount or something like that. So uh, hopefully we'll get some like pretty good value out of these cards. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty nice. Yeah, no, I'm uh, excited to see what they they do with surveil and what blue and black cards that work out of your graveyard we might see yeah yeah because i think that's gonna add a lot of power to phoenix yeah yeah to phoenix and um there there are a few other commanders in blue black who mill like we didn't mention mirko vosk he's pretty far down there mm-hmm. um like rexiel cares about mill stuff like that but kind of those graveyard synergies add to multiple of these decks which is a good thing uh hopefully gives them some more cool tech that's not just the crew pain but yeah, so I guess we're going to move on. Selesnia, the number one commander, is Tristani Selesnia's voice um, with 1,408 decks. And actually, that is a thing I'm going to bring up at some point in time. Like, 
more or less you're gonna see pretty similar numbers on a lot of these uh, color identities. color identities with some exceptions which mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk about when we get there so but it seems to be like approximately double the monocolor yeah it's pretty commonly like d- yeah double the monocolor deck so um, Tristani is number one and uh, if you can uh, make a good guess yourself what this deck list is going to be that's actually also what <laughs> uh, EDH Rec did most of these are token builds um with large tokens. Large tokens. They're using, like, Armada Worm. Uh, they're using Anointed Procession and Parallel Lives and Phyrexian Processor, which is, like, the sickest tech for this deck. Mm-hmm. The other really, really rad tech that is just a card I love so dearly is Aetherflux Reservoir. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you end up gaining so much life in this deck mm-hmm. that it's pretty easy to just dome someone for 50. Um, the other cards are actually kind of surprising <laughs> um, like one of the top cards is Shalai Voice of Plenty and like Growing Rights of Illamok which I understand for the flip side but you don't get any value on the front I, I can explain this a little bit okay one of the downsides of EDH Rec is that when it determines its percentages the denominator is always the number of decks that have been created since the release of that card Oh, okay. So, for example, even though Tristani's been out for years, like, the denominator for decks that were released immediately following the release of Return to Ravnica is 1,400. Mm-hmm. For much newer cards, the denominator is much smaller. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so like, a Dominaria card is going to be easier to get up on the top cards. Exactly. There's yeah. only only 89 of those 1,400 decks have been put up on the these databases since the release of Dominaria. So if you get, like, 50 out of those 89 decks... Yeah, because another one that really, really wrestled my jimmies mm-hmm. was uh, Hotly Radiant Champion. Oh, yeah. Was one of the top cards, and I just don't think that card has any business being anywhere yeah. at all. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's a case of people, like, putting it in their deck, and I think the shelf life for these cards is going to be short, because people will test it, and then probably take it out after they realize how bad it is yeah but they come in disproportionately high just because of the the timeline of yeah the release. i do think there are some that make perfect sense so like i mean obviously mirari's wake is going to be in a lot of these top cards mm-hmm. that's just a good stuff card is it is doubling your mana is pretty good but like collective blessing rampaging balos like these are cards that i kind of would expect I, it makes sense that like sandworm convergence is in this deck because mm-hmm. You're going to have so much mana, you're going to have, you want these big, like, worms, 5-5 five, five worms are pretty sizable tokens, and then on top of that, like, the reverse moat is pretty good when most of your tokens are going to be, like, beasts and rhinos and worms. Mm-hmm. So, th- like, a lot of this deck kind of made sense, and it to me it shows that this is a popular strategy that people wanted. Uh, and there, there's going to be another token deck mm-hmm. in the top five that we'll talk about. So the next one is Karametra, God of Harvests, and she comes in with 13, 31 decks. So not that far behind Tristani. Yeah, pretty close. It seems like she is built in a rather good stuff manner. Um, yes. There are only eight signature cards. Um, most of them are like not terrible... Yeah, there's like a slight landfall theme among her signature cards, but it's not really hurting your deck to run Emiria Shepherd or Rampaging Bayloths. Like one of the signature quote quote cards of this deck is Acidic Slime. Which is 
which is that's pretty nuts because like acidic slime is just one of the staples of the format yeah <laughs> like that's just one of the cards that just is everywhere like the only card that is specifically in this like signature cards that made sense to me is white mane lion yeah because that obviously you get it has flash mm-hmm. so you get your land at instant speed and then you can either rebuy it so you can like use it to get a bunch of lands out really quick or you can rebuy your other good creatures who also get you lands yeah that's like, that was the only one <laughs> i yeah i agree that's the only card that really seems like it could not find a home in another deck yeah definitely and it, the crazy thing is that uh only 36 percent of these 1300 decks have white main lion yeah it's nuts so so really most people are not trying to do like the karametra thing of getting as many triggers as possible using as few cards as possible like if you look at the top cards it's all just pure pure white good stuff yeah there's not a single card on here that is specific to karametra it's mm-hmm. like eternal witness or shards sword sun titan like these are all cards green that, sun zenith green sun zenith oblivion ring these are not cards that are specific to anything this, yeah. To, yeah to any deck in particular these are cards where you're like all right and i gotta put my uh, mana ramp in better put in my like wood elves and my sakura tribal <laughs> like that's not not something i go like oh yeah sakura tribelder my karametra staple yeah so it's it's unfortunate that the second most popular celestia commander is really just a good stuff deck green white tends to care about lands like because green has ramp and like your good creatures are green white has some good creatures and big spells and, and, and white stuff. does have a couple good cards that care about lands yeah like, yeah you've got your weathered wayfarer your land tax yeah yo yeah yeah i always forget about although tax. i guess those fall behind when you're yeah there's care metro yeah but there aren't any green white commanders that really reward you for lands or like that that's that's one of the holes so i might talk more about this at the end like mm-hmm. there's nothing that really like cares about lands and that was the biggest thing here is that like you would i, I would have thought that at this point there would have been like a token commander that scales off lands or something like it's something or, or like an x like hasn't has an activated ability somewhat like risk but like some something that ties lands more into the themes more than just Karametra like value. Where lands are the reward. Exactly, yeah, something like that. Which there's that's doesn't really exist. As you, you're going to see, the next few commanders are just kind of fall. It's it's interesting that the like Karametra thing. Rule has a lands commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, Golgari has a lands commander. Yeah, but they haven't done that for white. When white does have like cards that care about lands. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of like honestly, a lot of pretty good ones. Like mm-hmm. mo- a lot more than like the red, like land payoffs. Yeah, a lot of the time. Like Amiria Shepherd is like a really powerful card. Yeah, Amiria Angel is like that. That's gonna awesome. get you a lot of guys. Yeah, it's a lot of value because just it merely also just because it comes down so much earlier than a lot of cards that make tokens that mm-hmm. efficiently which is awesome and the tokens are really relevant because they fly yeah so there's a few things but um the next commander is uh, risk the redeemed with 1175 decks and this as you might guess is also a token list tell me the top three signature cards yeah so uh hey everybody the top three cards are parallel lives anointed procession and doubling season whoa whoa who would have thought 
also notable that like this is this is a thing that I didn't bring up actually in the Demir segment, but there's a lot of these commanders that can be put in each other's decks. Mm-hmm. So one of the signature cards of Riss uh, is Tristani, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think honestly, if you were to look at Tristani, uh, I think Riss is on at least the creatures section of that. So people are playing. There's a lot of overlap for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap on a lot of these token lists, especially these two color ones. Although it is notable that um, Reese in his top cards does have like an elf tribal sub theme. There's yeah. Elvish Archdruid, Priest of Titania, Imperious Perfect, partially because he himself is an elf, but also he makes other elves. Yeah. So that makes sense. There's a there's a little differentiation there. And of course he is the wide token deck. Yeah. Whereas Tristani is the tall one. Yeah, so th- this one it made a little bit more sense. Some of the like buff effects, like obviously Cathar's Crusade is awesome, so mm-hmm. you put that in a lot of decks. But the running thing specifically, like Elish Norn, makes a lot more sense. Like Crater Hoof is good in every deck, but like obviously is whereas like the mass champ. pump effects don't make quite as much sense in Tristani, where she's a lot more because she's a lot more about making one large token yeah. per turn. Yeah, exactly. Like you get a lot more mileage out, like. Honestly, the Mirari's Wake buff isn't that big, but you get a lot more mileage out of it in this deck as opposed to other green-white token decks, just because, like, turning a 1-1 into a 2-2 is much more sizable than turning your 4-4 into a 5-5 mm-hmm. or or 5-5 into a 6-6. So I, I I do think that that is an incentive people have in this deck. Like, the go-wide go tokens is obviously been a thing for... A long time, so the risk kind of gave people a place to hang their hat up on that. What do you think about the relative costs of Reese the Redeemed and Krenko? Like the one mana to four mana and the like six tap activation versus the just tap activation. I think that it's pretty nuts, actually. I think that if Riss was created nowadays, it would have probably been cheaper. Mm -hmm. I think they, like, this was... Shadowmoor. Shadowmoor, which was 2008. So uh, creatures were still like not super good back then. It wasn't really until like M10 that they really made the conscious effort to like pump the creature power level mm-hmm. and decrease the power level other places. So I think if they were to reprint Riss or like in an alternate universe, Riss would be a little bit closer to Krenko because Krenko I think is a lot. Yeah, I mean I think Krenko is yeah Krenko <laughs> I think is over the line, but Reese is definitely underpowered, and it's surprising yeah. that he still gets so much love. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's... like the amount of resources he requires out of you. Yeah, I mean that's definitely true. I think there's just not really a better alternative because, like, we kind of just mentioned, like Tristani rewards you for tokens, but like a very specific token, like sizable tokens, mm-hmm. where Riss rewards you for this go wide strategy. And honestly, there really isn't another commander that that rewards you for that in green white and. I don't want anyone ever to mention Amara Tantris. <laughs> Please, never. Number four, uh, Selvala Explorer Returned. This one surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Because it, I thought people were going to use this for, like, group hug. And, God, I don't know if this is, like, an upgrade, but it's mostly <laughs> good stuff with, like, four combo pieces. Yeah, it's def- It's a combo commander um, is the way most people are building it. I actually, like, maybe this is just because the way my brain works, I thought this was going to be Stacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is a very good Stacks commander. I have heard a lot of people talk about Silvala Stacks, and she is very powerful in the sense that, like, 
because she generates so much mana and you're in white, you can always break the symmetry on mass land destruction. Like, Armageddon is in the top sorceries yeah. for Silvala, but it's only 12% of decks. So yeah. clearly the the social pressures of the format yeah. are suppressing what could be like an interesting and unique archetype that is also brutal to play against the <laughs> multiplayer. I just said like I expected stacks out of this and i there's gonna be a few commanders that not necessarily in the top commanders of any of these colors that i actually expected stacks out Mm -hmm. of and i think a lot of that is the pressures of the community because that is not a fun (laughs) fun archetype to play against Mm -hmm. so i think that a lot of the time like these land destruction these like mass land destruction these stacks effects aren't going to make it into the top brackets just because people even though that might be an optimal build that's not the build people are doing because their friends get mad at them. Yeah. <laughs> There's the social pressures on the format. We can see in like a tangible, like represented proof that they're kind of working in some regard, which like I think is something that they want it like I know like <laughs> we have a lot of beef with the rules committee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they like that is something they talk about is like players like policing themselves yeah and so it's interesting to see that in some ways that actually has happened Mm -hmm. which i didn't actually think was happening necessarily until we started doing this number five on the selesnia commanders is captain sisse everyone's favorite captain sisse uh if you can imagine uh the signature cards are entirely legendary Uh every single one of them and honestly most of the cards even the sorcery. Even the sorcery. <laughs> most of the cards in this deck are legendary. It turns out when you throw most of the green and white legendaries into a deck, they are pretty good. Uh, it turns out when you can get whatever one you want, that's pretty good. I don't really have much to say about this, though. I just want to briefly cover a couple more decks in the top ten. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, I see. Yeah. So, Sigarda Host of Herons comes in at 812 decks. Um, it's number six for you at home. And... The build is very strongly tilted towards Voltron. But why would they do that? (laughs) So of the signature cards, about 60% of the decks have, like, strong Voltron themes. You can see that in, like, Shield of the Oversoul, Armadillo Cloak, Ethereal Armor, Ancestral Map, Rancor, etc., etc., etc. So that's a a common way in which people are building Sigarda. We've also got Arabo coming at number 7 with 658 decks. Mm Mm-hmm. It looks exactly like you would imagine, yeah. so I'm not yeah. going to waste time on that. Sigarda Heron's Grace is interesting. So 75% of Sigarda Heron's Grace decks are tribal human. And that's interesting because the tribal reward for humans is quite weak on this card. It gives oh, humans yes. hexproof, which hardly matters at all in commander like if you're building up a human army it's almost certainly going to be a go wide strategy in mm-hmm, which case mm-hmm. wrath protection matters a lot more yeah and she even like incentivizes go wide where like if you don't have anything else you like after you've all your other cards have been wrathed mm-hmm. you can play her and start getting an army back which is not a super good we we already mentioned like exiling your own cards is not super good yeah um this is not a super powerful humans commander yeah and yet and yet her signature cards thalia's lieutenant is number one heron's grace champion is number two also rounding out the top five you've got champion of the parish and angel of glory's rise 
Also in signature cards are Devout Chaplain, Handwear Militia Captain, Hamlet Captain, and Vanquisher's Banner, which, you know, I wonder what creature type they're going to name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so really it's um, it's another kind of case. Th- this one, actually, they didn't read the type line. They read the text box, but mm-hmm. they didn't think about the text. There is some benefit mm-hmm. to Hexproof, but it's just not the most relevant it's not yeah it's not what this tribe needs or wants a lot of human tribal right now plays out very similarly to like what soldiers have done in the past Mm -hmm. and i think that like making human tokens is also not a great reward because the great thing about humans the number one best thing about them is the fact that so many creatures are just incidentally humans yeah like you don't have to worry about creating tokens to get a critical mass of good humans they're just out there you don't even have to think about it i'm not even like I haven't done a gatherer search on the on humans in like a year, yeah. but I'm positive yeah. there's enough. Yeah, no, there there's uh, I as someone who did a gatherer search on humans like years ago, so before Innistrad had even come out, mm-hmm. me and a friend were like, wouldn't it be funny to like play tribal humans and then you lay down like a coat of arms and people have to be like, oh, what? And you're like, yeah, you're dead. <laughs> like, yeah. Look, they, look at all these are humans. And like, most of them don't even say it on the typeline. Exactly. Like, nobody's going to think twice if they see a deck with, like, Mentor of the Meek or yeah. Avacyn's Pilgrim or yeah. Noble Hire or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, just there's so many good stuff humans that getting that critical mass is not a problem. It's just getting an adequate reward, which Sigarda does not offer. Yeah. Definitely. To round out the top ten, uh, we do have a white green stacks commander. It's Gaddock Teague. Mm-hmm. He's built Hate Bear. I don't want to say too much about it. He's just a bunch of cards that uh, stop the opponent from doing what they want. Yeah. Um, about uh, fifty to sixty percent of decks are committing strongly to the Hate Bear theme. Yeah, yeah. Kind of what would be expected. And then ten is Mary Weatherlight uh, Duelist, the new one for, or the relatively new one. And this deck is, is, is people are building it tribal cats, mm-hmm. and you don't, you don't need to do that, guys. Like, please, <laughs> this is not the, this is another case of like the type line. It was in the cats deck, and the type line is a cat warrior. But Mary's good because of her text box. Like mm-hmm. the fact that they can only attack you with one thing, that's so good. Yeah, <laughs> like this this is not. Um, in any way, shape, or form, pushing you into cats. So I think that this is just people like cats. <laughs> Can I give just like a non sequitur observation? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think it's great that both Miri and Arabo have Sword of the Animist in their signature cards. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Sword of the Animist was included in that precon. I think just like most people just hadn't played with it before, and the majority of people just didn't take it out of the deck. Because they realize, oh, this this card's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, it's very good in in this deck too. Yeah, it's very good in most <laughs> in most decks with like a low curve. Like any deck that's running Quasali Pride Mage and stuff like that is probably yeah going to be pretty happy about their uh, Sword of the Animus. Mm-hmm. It's a sweet one. Yeah, but that rounds out our Selesnya card. So, what are any takeaways you have about this? So, let's talk missing archetypes. Yes, tribal humans. That's seems like the most obvious one anytime people try to build something when it's not working like that's clear Mm -hmm. that okay we need support here yeah 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 another one is enchantress yeah that's actually um i'll bring this up again later i think enchantress is definitely Uh one of the things that's missing here like that it's so like i understand that people 
asked for a three color enchantress commander but they but we needed yeah. a two color enchantress commander i know yeah that's the problem with like listening to the wisdom of crowds <laughs> yeah like when we talked more about commander 2018 i would have preferred obzon instead of bant yeah but i also would have preferred selesnia over bant because this gets the majority of the cards yeah. that, that matter to the archetype yeah. like the, the rewards yeah this lets you actually run all the cards you wanted to run if it's selesnia and the fact that we still don't have that is is a pretty big hole one of the ones i, I kind of said it earlier lands so like something that cares about lands i think like that's pretty glaringly absent mm-hmm. and there's like so much space in which to care about that within these two colors that that could be something they easily build around um that isn't just like value like karametra mm-hmm. and then you had another one right yeah i would really like to see a go wide plus one plus one counter commander yeah it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty surprising that we have not had one or at the very least have not had one that costs less than five to eight mana we've gotten ones in Obzon, we've gotten ones in Golgari, but Celestia, like this is the the frequent limited theme that comes up. There are so many yeah. times green, white is the color of going wide and also the colors most associated with plus plus one counters. Yeah. There's there's so many cards out there. It would be so easy to just take like an, an Offenza list and just cut the black and you'd still have enough playables to make yeah. a deck. So really all it's waiting for is just a commander that points you in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. And, and adequately rewards you. Just a little echo on you there. Like travel preparations type decks have been a limited archetype for sets upon sets years yeah. now. So I, that would be really cool. The decks we didn't really talk about, there's some more Voltron, there's some good stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, Safi is a combo deck, yeah. Yeah. Safi, Eric's daughter. Uh, Combos really well with, like, any sack outlet and then... Sun Titan or anything. Any, like, creature that ETBs or leaves the battlefield and reanimates stuff. Yeah. It's just a handful. There, Yeah, there's a few of them. It's actually surprisingly consistent. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, the other decks either don't actually do anything or... Dromaka Dragon Tribal. Yeah. Or Changeling Tribal, rather. Yeah, people are doing... There's 20 decks that are just, like unpartnered Siddhar Kondo, uh-huh. which is interesting to me too, but I would, I'd rather move on to more important Yeah, <laughs> alright. So next is Is It. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to guess what the top commander... Just kidding. It's Mizzix. Um, with 1,831 decks, uh, Mizzix does exactly what you think. Yeah. Like these lists, uh, the signature cards, uh, some of them surprise me. I think now that you, uh, you've told me about the the denominator thing like the how they can how they get the thing i'm actually not surprised i understand where some of these come from for instance a primal amulet is on this list Mm -hmm. um that one really surprised me because it's not i wouldn't actually because like you could spend four mana to get this one reduction or you could just like play a four mana spell yeah (laughs) and get an experience counter from commander and yeah. also get a reduction on that four mana spell. Yeah, exactly. So there's some some of these make a little bit more sense now that I've I know how this algorithm works. Yeah. But like the rest of it is just like exactly what you'd think. Fireman's foresight, uh, stroke of genius, mystic retrieval, reiterate, reiterate, comet storm, Mizzix mastery, capsize, like past and flight. Like all of these are just things that I would 100 percent expect. Mm-hmm. in in this deck list so it this is your like red blue spells commander uh you typically like spells into combo finish like value into combo finish your spells 
Yeah. Cost a lot less. It's very good with X spells. The only surprising thing about Mizzix is just like how long it took them to print her. Oh my god, yes. It was so like it's like white green with plus one plus one counters. Like the limited archetype for red blue for a decade or more has just been spells. And it's crazy that they like took so long to print a commander that <laughs> rewarded you for doing what the color had been doing for a million years. Yes, it's really nuts. So the number two commander is Jorah of the Gitu, uh, with 1,282 decks. There's like a Jorah's Time Bug and like Paradox Haze. Rift People Elemental, are... like as a champ. Yeah, yeah, Rift Elemental, like stuff like that. With this deck, Obliterate and Decree of Annihilation are 50% of yes. Jorah decks. Yeah. In comparison with like... 12% of Selvala decks running Armageddon. I think the thing that sets this deck apart from Selvala mm-hmm. is Joyra doesn't take long to win after she yeah. destroys everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> like people will just scoop. It's like, okay, you got the Ulamog and the Obliterate on the stack. Okay, that's that's fine. I'll concede. Yeah. Whereas with Selvala, it's more like, I'm probably going to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. That's actually a theme, too, that I've been noticing is the quick endings. Mm-hmm. The quick endings seem to be pretty popular as opposed to, like, the long, grindy yeah, like I wouldn't, strategies. Like, I wouldn't be too surprised if we saw Armageddon a lot more frequently in, like, the white, aggressive decks yeah. where it's yeah. like, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'll win in the next turn or two. Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, I can see why people would be pissed off yeah. seeing it cast <laughs> off Silvala. Yeah. So the uh, next commander is if you've ever wanted your Niv-Mizzet to uh, not die so good, but also kill everyone without killing yourself. Mm. Uh, let me introduce you to the Locust God, coming in at number three, with 1,092 decks. Um, this deck uh, is very similar to another commander that I might have mentioned in the top five. I don't know how many of the listeners have like played around with this deck list. Well, it's popular um, enough that it, I, I would imagine it's shown up in decent amount yeah of it's i mean it's really good it's really fast and it's it's pretty fun <laughs> mm-hmm. like it, it's fun for you piloting it it's it's much different than nimizit which has a lot of similar like builds mm-hmm. but you can run things like perforos and uh impact tremors and there's just so many cards that combo with the locust god yeah and there's yeah that's definitely true <laughs> like like more so than just wheels yeah i get seven guys but like Things like Skullclamp or mm-hmm. Biden of Thassa, like all your locusts have haste, so you can immediately double up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. So uh, one of the cards that didn't make it in the top commanders is very good in this deck because Mind Moil is very good mm-hmm. in this kind of deck. Is Arjun, um, and those two decks actually build pretty similarly. Mm-hmm. So Arjun and Locust God, um, one of them's a little bit better if you can guess. <laughs> I don't know. I I would highly recommend looking into this because this is actually like, it's kind of a blast to play, mm-hmm. and you get to you don't need a lot of the like staples per se that a lot of other red blue decks kind of end. I guess you need like wheels and stuff like that, but you can. It, it's a lot more forgiving, and you can make a pretty decent budget deck yeah. with the Locust God as opposed to like a lot of these other like um, Mizix is pretty hard to. Oh, actually, no, that's not even true. I would say, like, Jora, definitely you need... Well, with Mizzix, you gotta cool get stuff. the reset, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do need your reset for your... Uh, your Firemind's Foresight. Foresight, yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of these decks end up running 
some like pretty expensive blue and like red staples, mm-hmm. but like Locust God, you can actually do a really good budget list. Niv Mizza is at number five. I mentioned him because he actually. Uh, oh, you skipped over number four. I did skip over number four just because it was so similar. There's fewer signature cards with Niv Mizzet. Like looking at the top cards with Niv Mizzet, it seems like people are doing blue good stuff, splash red, and then combo finish. Combo finish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that which which is like oh, whatever that makes sense from what I know about Nimizit and is it players <laughs> that seems to be an archetype that is well supported. But the number four commander that I skipped over, Melik, is it Paragon at one thousand ninety one? The signature cards in this deck are actually kind of surprising to me. I think it's the same kind of thing, that, yeah. Like a lot of the algorithm that we were talking about before, because I would not have run a lot of these cards mm-hmm. with the exception of like High Tide is a pretty good one. Fun fact, Goblin Electromancer is in a lot of these deck lists that we just posted. Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff like that. It kind of gives you a hint that uh, Red Blue likes casting spells. Mm. Who would have thought? So th- that's the top five Is it Commanders. I want to I wanna go through these next four really quickly because yes. they're pretty boring. Kar- yes. Karanos, God of Storms is number six with 666 decks. Oh! <laughs> Mikaranos has exactly one signature card, and it's Thassa, God of the Sea, which, okay, makes sense. You want to scry before you do your thing. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, it's completely good stuff. Yeah. Jory and Ruin Diver, also very few signature cards. They're very, the ones that are here were very surprising to me, because mm-hmm. it, it's, there's like five signature cards, and they're all like value it's like fodder. Think twice, get probe, young pyromancer. And then Curious Homunculus and Firebrand Archer, which I don't know if I, I, I don't, super I, agree with those. Yeah, no, not, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird thing. But yeah, the next one, Arjun made it into eight. I think we already talked about him a little bit, but the signature cards in this one are just a lot of cards that trigger off of you drawing. Yeah, th- this deck list and a lot of the signature cards are like kind of similar to Locust God. Like the yeah. payoffs are slightly different. And then... The Nin, last well, one? Well, there's Nin the Pain Artist. Oh, yeah. Number nine. Number nine, yes. And the signature cards in this one, if you just cut the stuff that came out in the last two years because there's so few decks like that, then you end up with just Stuffy Doll, Tezzeret the Seeker, Fabricate, Phyrexian Metamorph, <laughs> and Willbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> so five cards, three of which are basically just good stuff. Yeah. So Nin is, is also kind of like a good stuff build. And then... Number 10. This one's, uh, considering it came out like six months ago, it's surprising that there are this many decks. Joyra, Weatherlight Captain, with almost 350 decks. So this one has some very interesting signature cards, yeah. <laughs> as you might imagine. Yeah. Ornithopter makes the list. Yeah. Ormod's Crypt. But and... why would those make the list? <laughs> Paradoxical Outcome, Aetherflux Reservoir, Ethereum Sculptor, Founder Inspector, Hercules Recall... Scrap Trawler, which I don't. I don't know actually, if I actually agree. agree with that. Yeah, I don't yeah. agree with that. It's interesting that more of the mana rocks didn't make it onto there. I think probably because they're they cost expensive. more than zero. Yeah. They cost. Oh well, no, I mean, the, <laughs> <laughs> I guess oh, they're in the top like, cards. Oh, you mean like Opal? Yeah, 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 Opal. I mean, honestly, even I th- just like I think that's just the the budget bias. Yeah, because like Felwar Stone, Mind Stone. I guess they're in the top cards, but like those those I. Those seem fine. Like spending two drawing a card to make one to help you ramp out all your other one zero one and two mana spells. As, as someone who has played the deck, they're actually not good. You don't. Actually oh really? Them. Yeah. No. Oh hey, all right. Yeah. I've learned because yeah, it's like more mana for next turn, but 
alternatively, you could just win this turn. <laughs> Savage. But since we're kind of rounding up the red-blue, I wanted to mention that, uh, so not counting Solo, Ludovic, and Krom, which have some Solo decklists, there's 19 commanders in the red-blue color pair, nine of which have been printed in the last two years. Mm-hmm. So most of these cards have been printed incredibly recently and then if you expand that back to four years that's like 11 or 12 of these have been printed like like it's it's pretty nuts for the longest time we pretty much we had like Niv-Mizzet we had a Tibur and Lumia I think these rankings would look wildly different if all of these commanders had come out at the same time yeah 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 this actually I think this is uh, a victim of timing, yeah, timing. And honestly, like this, the is it commanders now? Like looking at all these, we've shored up a lot of the holes. Like these last few years have been good for is it since the release of Dominaria. We've gotten an artifact combo commander. We've gotten a coin flipping commander. We've got two other artifact commanders. We got another spellslinger commander. If we go back two and a half three years, years, then we got our spellslinger commander in the form of Mizix. I actually don't have anything in terms of like unrepresented archetypes in Is It yeah, yeah. because they've done such a good job filling them in the last yeah. year. No, I totally agree with that. I think that like they could still print some fun red blue commanders. They obviously like there is space in red blue, being that we got Brutaclad this year, which is like this beautiful gift. Like yeah. it's such an interesting thing. So there's definitely more space that they're gonna like open up for these colored pair that I'm really excited for, but mm. As far as things players wanted, I'd actually also agree. I don't really think there's anything like... uh, Red-blue players have kind of their pick of what the things they most commonly wanted at this point in time. I I will leave you with a design of mine, if that's all right. I don't think they've gotten blue-red artifacts perfect yet. Yeah, no, that's that's one of the things, too, I think is It's a shame that they've, like, printed three in rapid succession because it's gonna, like... They've... They think they've checked the box. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that that's true. I think there's room for more better artifact commanders. I think there's room for like some spell slingers that are a little different too. Like more like there's... value spell yeah. slinging rather than like okay and now I win. Yeah, exactly. I think that there's a lot of fun ways to build around instants and sorceries that they still haven't gotten into. Yeah. Um, there's a, obviously there's a lot of cost reduction. There's a lot of doubling, mm-hmm. um, which kind of lend themselves towards comboing. They yeah. can give you other rewards. For if these Melek things. costs like three mana less, he'd probably fill that hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't even be broken. Before we move on to the next color, I just want to pitch my idea for an is it artifact commander. Three cost, human artificer, stats don't matter, whatever. Um, Tap an untapped artifact you control, he pings any target. And this sounds like a very simple design, but here's what I had going on thinking about it. I wanted to make a commander that could take advantage of the old artifacts that don't work when they're tapped. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way you'd use this guy is you, like cast him and then at right before your next turn you tap your winner orb so so it doesn't affect you or or vice versa you tap the howling mine yeah (laughs) tap your howling mine tap your static orb winner orb storage (laughs) matrix blink mothern that's pretty great and then it's also just like a win condition for paradox engine because Mm -hmm. it gives you a way to we close out the game pretty quickly yeah when you're engining yeah that's pretty cool all right that's my pitch
All right, can we do this one before that one? Yeah, yeah. Let's do a, a boring one before we... Do the interesting one. So yeah. this actually gets me to a point that I wanted to talk about. So Boros is the next color pair we're going to talk about. Um, so Actually, it might not... Boring might be the wrong word because it's... There's a lot to say. There's a lot to say about how terrible it is. Yeah, so uh, you might have noticed that the decks so far have been like pretty consistent. Like The top decks have been... Like in the mid to high thousands of uh, of deck lists, uh, our number one Boros commander is Aurelia the War Leader with eight hundred forty six decks. That's less than a lot of them monocolor. That's, yeah. Also, is or at least like, like half the size of all the others. It's half of blue. I'm pretty sure. I think blue is like fourteen hundred so. or something like that. I think this is the same amount as like some of the white. <laughs> like mono white commanders. Yeah, or it's, it's like that. comparable to like mono white and mono black, but blue, red. I guess mono colors there just are less options, but but there, as you sh- maybe can guess, there shouldn't be mm-hmm. less options with yeah. your two color deck. We're gonna get to that in a second, but Aurelia the War Leader. Um, like playing more colors is almost strictly better than playing fewer in Commander. Yep. Um, so we're we're probably gonna get through the lists very quickly, so we can get to the meat and potatoes of the <laughs> issue. Um, so like signature cards in Aurelia the War Leader. So there's four four signature cards. Some of these cards are gonna come up a few times <laughs> um, in these signature cards. Are, are any of those? Signature cards, legendary creatures in the same color identity? You know, there just might be a Gisela Blade of Gold Knight, which oh. we might get to in a few seconds, wow. actually, a minute or two. Uh, another one, Lyra Dawnbringer. Mm. I wonder if we're going to see her again in the <laughs> Boros color identity. Um, and then Helm of the Host, which makes a lot of sense. And uh, Combat Celebrant, which... Gisela, Blade <laughs> of Gold Knight. Our number two commander. Who, who could have seen that coming? Something else to note about Gisela, we're going to talk about the signature cards... Is there another, maybe there's a another red-white angel <laughs> in this deck signature cards. Maybe Aurelia the War Leader is a signature card oh, wow. in this deck list. And, you know, maybe a Lyra Dawnbringer mm, nice. and a Helm of the Host <laughs> also in the signature cards. Followed by Dictate, Dictate of the Twin Gods, sorry. Heartless Hidetsugu and Avacyn. So six cards, a little upgrade there for you. Mm. Moving on to Eroes, <laughs> God of Victory. Uh, he's got 681 decks. Signature cards, there are five of them. One of them is Aurelia, the War Leader. Ooh. And the others, we've got Tajik, Nobilis of War, Audric, Master Tactician, Heliod, God of the Sun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All of which are sort of combat-oriented. Yeah, so the next, actually, number four on the list is the only one that is actually really not unique. the same. Yeah, the unique yeah. out of all of these is DePaula, Pilot Exemplar. Um, so signature cards, can you guess them? It's a bunch of freaking vehicles. And, and doors. And doors. Who would have thought? This makes perfect sense. Like, people saw the banner and they wrote it in, like, I don't think this deck they, is particularly strong. They yelled strong. at you really loudly about what you were supposed to put in your deck and... And people listened. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's really not much I'm going to say about this. It, it, the list is what you think it is. And then number five is uh, Brian Stoutarm. The Signature Sarah. cards are, maybe you can guess, uh, like Sarah Avatar and Malignus. Um, Evra Halcyon Witness, that's a sweet one. That is actually really sweet. Um, there's actually some pretty cool cards here. There's also a lot of like stealing, Captivating Crew, yeah. Zealous Conscripts, Conquering Massacre. So the signature Manticore. cards are almost entirely uh, just ridiculously large fat and... Threaten effects. Yeah. <laughs> Grab the rain, stuff like that. That's all you need to know about that. Yeah, so not like uh, things that you probably would have guessed at home. And then the next one... 
I don't even necessarily want to look at the deck. No, 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 no. You should look you at the deck list okay. because uh, take a look at the signature cards. Okay, so the next, at number six, we have Calumny, Disciple of Arrows. Uh Signature cards, uh, a bunch of giants. giants. Are you expecting that? Uh, I might have. And also Giselle, a Blade of Gold Knight. Can you see a theme, everybody? There's well, a theme. Calumny is a unique case because yeah. I, I actually would agree with that because she like came in a deck that told you really loudly to play giants and then most people just didn't not do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't actually think you need to build Calumny giants. I think that's strictly worse than not building yeah. Calumny giants. Yep. Like most of these giants are very bad and. <laughs> Kalemni doesn't need her experience counter text at all. The only parts of this card that really matter are the mana cost, the power toughness, and then the keyword yeah, abilities. Keyword abilities. Yeah, for like sure. a three power double striker for four, that's a pretty solid Voltron body. Mm-hmm. And anything you can do that doesn't support just getting to twenty one commander damage is probably a waste of your time. Yeah, it's probably worse. Um, which also kind of get, this is kind of an interesting segue into the next commander, which is Tajik, Blade of the Legion. Tajik comes in at 474 decks, uh, signature cards. This one didn't surprise me, even though it probably should have. Uh, people are building Tajik, uh, Soldier Tribal a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. It looks like over half, like, between half to 70% of decks are building this Soldier Tribal, which, you know, makes you think that maybe there's a hole that we maybe mentioned last (laughs) time. The funny thing is, like, how many of these signature cards are red? Yeah, yeah, there, there is literally one signature card, and it's a signature card and or top card in a lot of these decks is Assemble the Legion. Yeah, it's like with Gisa and Garelf, Gisa mm-hmm. and Gare- whatever. Yeah. Um, it kind of just proves that the deck they are trying to build should probably just be monocolor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. The next deck list is... Uh, Archangel Avacyn, which flips into Avacyn the Purifier, which actually uh, people built around more than I thought they would in, in some regard. Like, there's um, Cloud Shift is in this deck, and Eldrazi Displacer is in this deck list in the signature cards. The other cards I really don't agree with, but I think, again, it might be the algorithm. I think the algorithm. Angel... Tra- well, I- Oh, yeah, there's yeah. some Angel Tribal, but there's also like a Tiana Ship's Caretaker and Valdic Keeper of the Flame. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't think the... And the Charging Tuscadon. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm fine with cutting those out of it, but if you ignore like the very recent cards, it seems... It's it, Angel Tribal. Yeah. yeah like red, there's Angel Tribal with some like red support. There's, you're running Boros Charm and Gisela Blade of Gold Knight and Aurelia the War Leader. Hmm, why would I run those cards in red-white? I do think it's cute building around like the Cloud Shift idea yeah. that actually is kind of like i could see that gameplay being fun jorkadine the prevailer he's coming in with 368 decks and his signature cards are <laughs> buck wild yeah like great furnace dark steel citadel ancient den gold mirror iron mirror <laughs> palladium mirror artifacts that are basically free to play yeah that and add mana yeah the the one that really made sense was mer battlesphere that one obviously i would also plan on running that in this deck there's mm. some equipment in the top cards there's like a skull clamp swift foot boots i've talked about it before on podcasts where like you make some aggro like artifact creature tokens you make some like mirror and thopters and servos and they get really big mm. and because plus three plus oh is huge mm. <laughs> like this is actually one of the uh, aggro commanders that i think actually rewards you for building 
properly around it because mm-hmm. you can end games really fast with this guy. I think we can skip past most of the remaining commanders. Yeah, they're all pretty low on the deck list and pretty relevant. There's only one that I want to talk about, which mm-hmm. is... It was released only six months ago, but it already is up to 184 decks. Yeah. It That's is, the one I thought you were going to yeah, talk about. It yeah. is Fire Song and Sunspeaker, and this does seem to be a fairly unique archetype. It's um, yeah. got a bunch of signature cards, all of them focused around mass damage and life gain. I try to have decks of varying power levels, so I can play with different playgroups. Mm-hmm. And I was actually thinking of taking apart a deck I'd made and turning it into Fire Song and Sunspeaker for specifically for like a fun archetype, but like not necessarily super high powered. Yeah, when you're when you like don't start the game until your sixth drop commander yeah. is on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah, but but at the same time like the, it is cool that you do have a place to play all these cool effects that really didn't didn't really have a place. Like it's it's cool to have um that they're helping earthquake commanders. Mm-hmm. That actually like earthquake has existed in the format and in magic for so long that it's cool that they're making commanders this is one of a few that they printed in the last few years that really support just casting an earthquake uh, which is pretty fun that's pretty cool what archetypes do you think are missing what decks oh. do you think they could add to the format by just printing the right boros commander oh my god there i there actually are so many of these that i have because they're all just aggravating <laughs> and there's Okay, first off, tribal. I want to talk about this. Their giant tribal is obviously wanted, and it's not there. Yeah. Red white angel tribal is pe- something people are doing, and it's not there. Soldier tribal, and it's not there. There's a few tribal decks that people are building around these commanders for that aren't real. Mm-hmm. This doesn't exist. So first off, you have those those decks or some of them. So this is going to be an opinion that I don't know if everyone else has. Uh, red white like defenders. So, mm-hmm. like, red-white deck that makes defender tokens, that would be a cool thing mm-hmm. that um, that uses those tokens aggressively, which I know sounds really funny, but, like, you can tap a set number of tokens to deal damage, or when a token, like, when a creature you control blocks and, like, kills something, like, I think you mentioned a card like that before, like, when, when your defenders kill something, like, draw cards equal to the creatures that damage it, stuff like yeah. that. Like, there's a few different ways you can build defenders and, like, a surprisingly aggressive manner that wouldn't be super busted. Yeah, we get that red white is all about martial prowess. Yeah. <laughs> but martial prowess doesn't mean always being on the offensive. Yeah. I think that a commander that rewards like a more defensive playstyle, there could be a deck for, like defenders. Yeah. But I'm also just thinking like uh, an effect that forces people to attack. Yeah. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. And like why is there no red white commander that like forces attack? Yeah. So something that forces things to attack and then maybe punishes things attacking you like a thantis but instead of just becoming a larger dumb idiot you could actually (laughs) like gain card advantage through sniping attacking creatures yeah 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 totally i i totally agree with that i think that um like there's kind of like you mentioned fire song and sunspeaker which is an incredibly new card that kind of pinging so mm-hmm. like goblin sharpshooter is a card that i always want to play in commander and like always cut because it just never mm-hmm. is gonna like that kind of like pinging things is something they could do like they or or just damage in general like i was more I damage was, i was thinking about damage i was thinking about um like since red and white are generally the only colors that 
deal damage mm-hmm. but for the most part there's like you know fighting in green or, but red and white are the damage colors so something that triggers off of damage but leads to a different play style than fire song and sunspeaker mm-hmm. i think that could be interesting i think the coolest boris cards were the one master that, warcraft like, master warcraft like that card's really sweet mm-hmm. and the other one that like you pick blocks the the minotaur that does that like those are like the really fun Boros cards because not only are you getting in the red zone, like you can be heady about it, mm-hmm. and it like really makes the game not so much about like count to forty as fast as you can, but like how can I get the most advantage out of this? Uh, I like that idea. I would like to. S- I mean, if they can find a way to do attacking that like really requires a lot of thought on your part, as opposed to like Eros, uh, <laughs> my guys don't take damage when they attack and they all have menace you figure it out yeah 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 like yeah. It, if they can make me be the one thinking that would be enough of a change of pace even if i'm still like it's turning guys sideways yeah exactly contrast this very very heavily with the next color pair as you heard us say there's 846 decks on the top boris commander we're moving on to golgari um my sweet sweet rot farmers <laughs> and the top golgari deck is Marin of clan neltoth with 3,356 decks, this is a huge discrepancy. This is twice the number of the next highest, I think, of the guilds we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Green-Black, as we're going to talk about, has a lot of stuff. There's a lot of really cool build-arounds in this color pair. And I think one of the reasons that these decks are going to have pretty high deck list contents is because they're doing things people want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to the Boros, which has really low decklist numbers because they're not actually doing things that people want to do. And they're also, like, not good at it either. Yes, and they're not good at it either. Like, people, as you heard us say, like, Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight, is in most of these red-white decks because it's very good, but it costs seven. Yeah. Like, it's so it's so hard to get it down. Like, the game has to go really long, and then they don't have to have no kill spell for it or no wrath or something. Like, all these red-white decks are about, like, red zone damage as your win condition. Yeah. And they none of them give you, like, an adequate way to make that happen yeah. in multiplayer commander. Yeah, exactly, which is really sad. And so, like, if you remember, like, this is the pattern that's kind of been emerging as we're going through this and we're looking, like, I mean, Nick are, like, researching these things and looking at them, is that the the color identities with the least number of deck lists tend to be the ones that aren't doing what the colors want to do efficiently or well at all. Um, so, like, Mono Blue had a bunch of deck lists because Mono Blue had a lot of its bases covered. Like, a lot of the top Mono Blue decks were, like, like the top, I think it was, like, Tower End with, like, a thousand-something, and then, like, the next ones were all, like, 800s and stuff. Like, a lot of deck lists. And here, like, your number two commander with Golgari is Gitrog Monster, and, like, Gitrog Monster has 1,700 deck lists. It's, like, so many. Mm-hmm. That's more than most of the... This is the number two Golgari commander, and it's still more than most of the other color identities. I think that just kind of shows that the Golgari commanders they printed are actually doing things people asked for or mm-hmm. wanted or play styles. And they have wanted. the support to make it happen. Like, yeah. Marin and Gitrog and the next one... Which is Hippotra, yeah. All are very, very distinct decks. I'm going to say nine of the top ten 
are vastly different deck lists. Mm-hmm. Like, they run, obviously, some of the good stuff things. Like, you're probably going to run Beast Within or blah, 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 whatever in these decks. But, like, the signature cards in all of these decks are different. They're not going to have a lot of overlap. Yeah, there's yeah. not a lot of overlap in a lot of these deck lists. Let's get into it, I guess. So, I have a weird love-hate relationship with Marin because, like, the signature cards are the most good stuffy. Mm-hmm. This is the most good stuffy of all of the decks, so it's really sad that it is the most popular. Yeah. Of all of them. And that being said, it has some really cute cards. Like, we just got, like, Knight Incarnate to add to this deck, which I think is, like, adorable and cute and cool. But, like, most of the top cards are, like, Shriek Maw, Flesh Bag, uh, Sakura Tribe Elder, Spore Frog. I mean, I think that's just a common theme, though, is, like, the most popular commanders are going to be the ones that make the good cards better. The Mm -hmm. reason that, like, the Scarab God was so popular in Demir is because, wow, he synergizes with the things that this color pair is really, really good at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I don't really want to mention too many more things about this deck. Like, it's a lot of sabcutlets, it's a lot of creatures, creatures that sacrifice themselves. Exactly. Um, a lot of value creatures, so like Reclamation Sage, a lot of people running Caustic Caterpillar, it's in 62% of decks. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, Butcher Malakir, and uh, I'm actually surprised that the Great Pact Suite isn't just all <laughs> yeah all up here like the fact that great pact isn't actually just in the top cards period. in the signature cards yeah or in oh, the signature yeah. cards oh, yeah. or in the top cards at all is pretty pretty nuts mm-hmm. i mean dictative erebos is in top cards i think we can move on to the next one yeah i want to move through these pretty quick because yeah. there, there's a, yeah so the next one is gitrog monster mm-hmm. the signature cards are pretty much what you would expect for a lands deck You've got your Splendid Reclamation, Remin Up, Excavator. There's Deck More Salvage, which, if you were not aware, if you have a discard outlet, a Deck More Salvage in your hand, and a Gitrog on the battlefield, then you can draw a bunch of cards and mill your whole library. Yep. 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 Um, and then, actually, there's a lot of redundancy in the top cards, because World Shaper, which um, is a newer card, which I actually totally agree with being on here, even though it's pretty new. It does what it's hard splendid. to kill itself though. Yeah, yeah, it is hard to kill itself. That's true. Then there's like some cycle lands. There's like worm harvest, taro, life from the loam, life from Titania. the loam. Yeah, rums and charted makes kind a lot of, of sense. The kind of things you would expect in this sort of list. Yeah, kind of a grindy lands list. It's funny how little black there is in this deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> might make you. Maybe we we mentioned something about that when we were talking about the uh, Lord Windgrace. Yeah. yeah hmm. And number three, Hapatra Vizier poisons a still at one thousand eighty eight decks. Mm-hmm. So like, still a massive amount of deck lists. And this deck is like sweet, <laughs> so super unique. Yeah. So like signature cards, we got Necroskitter, Blowfly Infestation, Contagion Class, Nesta Scarabs, Wickerbow Elder, Obelisk Spider, Carnifax Demon. Like all Midnight of these. Banshee, yeah, Dusk Midnight Urchins, Banshee. Flourishing Defenses. Yeah. How many of those cards did you just have to look up? Yeah. Like. <laughs> weird weird unusual cards i would like not see play anywhere else yeah and then honestly i thought about these when i saw them but i'm really it's like pretty cool there's a new card section on adh rec mm-hmm. and both of these cards i think are awesome for this deck list there's generous patron from um battle bond mm-hmm. which uh, it supports too which is whatever but the real big spicy thing is whenever you put a counter on a creature you don't control draw a card yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny you're like i wrap the board and draw like eight <laughs> that's so funny or actually it's more than that probably because some of them probably had big booties yeah. but then the other one poison tip archer whenever a creature dies and, and that's including yours it's just whenever a creature dies people lose life it's very mm-hmm. similar to obelisk spider which cares about one one counters uh spoiler alert 
this yeah this deck is pretty unique it's got a lot of things going for it next we've got jared golgari lichlord who i if i'm remembering right he's probably the he's one of the more good stuffy yeah he's good stuffy he definitely like the signature cards like make a lot of sense he's reanimation is a lot of the ways people do it the biggest signature card is lord of extinction um he, he's a very big boy mm-hmm. so when you throw him they lose a lot of life that's like the <laughs> primary win condition in zach's jared build <laughs> which is not true usually what ends up happening is everyone exiles all the other ones that i try to do earlier mm-hmm. and then i'm like well this is the only one left you <laughs> like <laughs> god damn it so there's some yeah there, there's a lot of stuff you kind of imagine there hermit druid animate dead dread return phyrexian delver um, it's really funny. Jared's orders is really good in this deck list, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's almost like they planned it. It's almost like they planned it. Yeah. So there, there's, uh, this is basically like you have a pretty good sack outlay. Your commander doesn't die too good, blah, blah, blah. Number five is Nath of the Guilt Leaf, which also <laughs> has a very different signature cards section. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a black green discard deck, if you couldn't guess. Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of elf tribal synergies. Yeah. Yeah. Some elf tribal synergies, which like, I don't agree with the amount of, Elf travels uh, like why is Dwin? Yeah, well, like, yeah, like some of the imper- yeah, I don't actually. Dwin finds her way into a lot of decks that she has no place yeah, in. Yeah, I also don't agree with the fact that Imperius Perfect is here. <laughs> like, yes, they get bigger, but like, yeah, uh, okay, whatever, man. Um, but like, you got uh, if you, you guys don't know, Sadistic Hypnotist is like the wombo combo. Yeah, uh, you sack a creature, target player discards two cards. So you sack a creature, they discard two cards, you get two creatures. Surprisingly, Mind Slash is not on the signature cards list. Yeah, which, which really actually kind of boggles my mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely weird. Yeah, this is just a lot of discard synergies. Mm-hmm. Um, and and elf tribal synergies. And elf tribal synergies. Next one, number six, Glissa the Traitor. This one's pretty sweet. Yeah, this deck list is so cool. We're gonna keep saying that about these these Golgari cards. So like, uh, Executioner's Capsule is like. The I think the, one of the go-to ones, mm-hmm. uh, Silvok replica, Scrap Trawler, Scrap Trawler, Nile Spellbomb, pretty cool, yeah, Nevsdis, yes. Trading <laughs> Post, yeah, These cards are so cool, yeah, and as maybe you've noticed, unlike the Boros cards, which had Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight, mm-hmm. in all of these, there really hasn't been a repeat, yeah, in any of these, these are, like it's all been full signature cards, like on uh, on EDH Rec they show you the top fourteen and like. You may have noticed when we were talking about the Boros, like, almost none of them had more than five. Yeah, yeah. But whereas all of these black-green ones have 14 signature cards, they're clearly very distinct decks. Yeah, and the next four, I think we're going to go through the top ten just because of that reason. Like, the... Um, we could go even deeper. There's some interesting ones down yes. below. But... Yeah, I, don't, I think we'll stop just for time's sake. Um, the next commander that is in the top ten is uh, Skullbriar, the Walking Grave. We're starting to get back to human levels of deck list with 550, mm-hmm. and the signature cards are plus one, plus one counters matters. This is kind of going to come up again, this this one, and uh, spoiler alert, Varls is our number 10 commander here. They both kind of run Hardened Skills, Forgotten Ancient, Winding Constrictor, Corpse Jack Menace. Uh, I'm surprised that Doubling Season isn't here. Mm. I'm surprised that Primal Vigor isn't here. I- I'm guessing that it's just that it's too indirect, and it's like a little bit do nothing because you play Skullbriar yeah. on turn two and then you take your turn five off to play like Primal Vigor or Doubling Season and then it's only until turn six that you're reaping the rewards. Yeah, but a lot of these like signature cards still still seem pretty slow like the Ring of Colonia and Ring of Z- was it Zathrid? 
Like, those are pretty... Like, Forgotten Ancient's not super fast. Like, I understand, like, the Increasing Savagery is a top card. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Uh, Rancor is a top card. That also (laughs) makes a lot of sense. I think the Ring of Colonia is mostly there for the evasion. Yeah. Because he desperately needs it. The Ring of Zathrid is a little less... Yeah, that's a kind of weird, yeah. Masaryk, Crawl Death Priest, is the next in the list, coming in at number eight. On Masaryk, there's almost too many (laughs) pegs on which you can hang hats. Yeah, that's kind of actually one of the things. This is the first time, the last three commanders we get, or I guess four commanders we get here. We're more focused. Yeah, um... But Masaryk does so many things, yeah. Yeah, Masaryk does a lot of things, which is kind of great because it's an engine, but also, like, it seems like people are having a hard time figuring out necessarily what is best is what it seems like there's a lot of good stuff um there's also like from beyond which actually kind of makes sense uh makes scions eldrazi scions or sacks themselves give counters but then they also get bigger so like that kind of makes sense there's like plus one plus one counter synergies uh token synergies yeah the dictator um, erebos is back sacrifice synergies yeah there's a lot of things going on with this deck yeah whisper is also in this deck list Mm -hmm. and the the signature cards which is pretty sweet Mm -hmm. um and then what do we got oh ishkana uh graph widow uh, this deck list made me laugh pretty it, it's hard. It's crazy that like 466 people yes, built around. Same. <laughs> it's the same. It's a bunch of spiders, everybody. It's just put a bunch of spiders in here, even ones that don't deserve to see. I deck know. List. Like, um, this is signature grave robber spider signature cards. We have Kessig Recluse, which is a two-three reach death touch for four. <laughs> it's a common. It's common. I know, dude. Grave robber spider, watcher, watcher in the web. the web. Why are they doing this to <laughs> us? Penumbra spider. That's not worth it. I don't know who to blame more, wizards or the people who are asking for a spider yeah. commander. So if, if those who don't know, like spider spawning exists, and spider spawning is you get a one-two creature uh, spider with reach for each card in your graveyard, and it has flashback for six and a black. So it's a black-green card that makes a bunch of spiders. Mm-hmm. And people loved this card. It was a draft archetype that was pretty nuts. Um, very powerful. Very powerful. And people kind of just had been asking for spider tribal ever since that card came out, even though it's one card that doesn't have much to do with spiders other than the fact that it makes those tokens. Which actually, now that I say that, is a theme mm-hmm. of like people seeing a token producer and being like, oh, a tribal lord. Yeah. That's, yeah. That actually seems to be a theme. Like this, not not that it rewards the tribe, but that it produces the <laughs> tribe, and they think that that's what it. That's whatever. Enough. Yeah, I'm not gonna get too into that, but um, I mean, on the bright side, like your spider spawning is gonna get a lot better after all of your vanilla spiders get wrath. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty true. Moving on to Varl's the scar striped. This one actually had a, like some pretty cool signature cards too. Mm-hmm. Um, notably, Death Shadow, Phyrexian Dreadnought, a lot less troll is was kind of interesting. It's is like a discard outlet mm-hmm. that's pretty efficient. Kind of makes sense. Hunted Troll, Nixithid. Uh, if you don't know Nixithid, uh, it's a it was reprinted in Battlebond. It's a three cost zero zero. Oh no, it's a it's a three yeah it's a three cost zero zero. <laughs> but in your graveyard, it's a three cost seven seven. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, so that's pretty cool. There's also some plus one, plus one counter synergies. Corpse Jack Menace is back. Oh, Force of Savagery is in this deck. Mm-hmm. That's pretty rad. Um, okay, I'm just going to give like one sentence summaries for the next yeah, couple. Because there's still there's so archetypes. Many. There's so many. There's still archetypes to come. So Savra, Queen of the Golgari, basically 
she's grave packed as a commander and that's how you build around her and the deck is really fun to play i've yeah. built this and i'm it's so fun that i'm surprised it's uh it's so low on the, the list yeah. i know yeah coming in at number 11 when really she uh she deserves more you think she'd beat out ishkana at least yeah <laughs> yeah especially when all the ishkana decks they're the same but there's also uh slimefoot coming in at number 12 he's new but relatively popular 281 decks in six months yeah that's pretty nuts um and he's as you could imagine a uh sapperling sacrifice deck mm-hmm, mm-hmm. felon of havenwood fungus and sapperlings but this one runs a it. lot more of the actual funguses when you actually look at the signature card you're running like um uh slime foot yeah you're running <laughs> slime foot yep yep uh spore sower thalid 98 percent of 255 decks yeah just so spore thalid like a few of those gives things. you a pretty good, clear idea but there's a lot of overlap like felonite hermit vertiloth is in both the lists yeah. psychotrope thalid mm-hmm. utopia micon people followed the banner people were like oh fungus i think that's about it for unique deck lists but still that's a lot that's like 10 or 11 decks with very very little overlap like we said, there's only a few more, and honestly, we could mention all of them. <laughs> like, there, there's uh, even another. Just, I'm just not even going to mention the deck list, but like Vadi Eldal mm-hmm. is Black Green Commander, and that's so cool. Yeah. Like, there's so many things you can do abusing, like making creatures like toughness one, mm-hmm. or like even making creatures power one. Like, there's things you can do. So, like that, there's Golgari has an incredible bounty of like build arounds that are good and powerful and for that reason honestly like i think we both don't have much to add to this i have nothing to add to it yeah like the holes in golgari are pretty i mean more or less non-existent like you get some reanimation you get some tokens you get like certain build rounds you get minus one minus one counters uh like the only things i i was kind of thinking about was we could get a black green enchantress creature we kind of mentioned that before that's not even a hole that's just something we could get Uh, yeah i'm not in love with that idea just because there's a lot of white yeah white has a lot more synergies with it i I think that if they printed the cards to support it that would work but that's kind of the thing is like this doesn't need like this color identity doesn't really yeah need much like i have i mean then again like if you asked me if we needed a black green artifact commander I probably would have said no. Yeah. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Um, the the thing that's always blown my mind about the discrepancy was I knew that black green had more stuff going on than the other colors. I didn't know like how much people had latched onto that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was such a big thing in the community, which really kind of blew my mind. Design good commanders, and the fans are going to respond. Yeah, the thing that I, I guess that the real takeaway that really get, rustles my jimmies mm-hmm. is like. We have so many good Golgari commanders, and we have a decent amount, like, especially in the last few years, like we said, like, the Izzet is, like, really shown itself to be pretty cool, that, like, why why are the colors that are lacking, lacking so deeply? Mm-hmm. Why is Boros so devoid of good options? options? Yeah, like, w- obviously they have the know-how to make good commanders, especially nowadays, so why is this a problem? God, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, that's a great question. There's no, there's, I don't know an answer. Yeah. If I had to guess, maybe it has something to do with um, the main opportunity they have to print new commanders specifically for commander is the um, precons. Yeah. 
and who in their right mind is going to buy like a Boros precon or yeah I mean the thing is though they could they could very well print a Boros precon that had new cards that were interesting build arounds that had good reprints in it that people would buy like this, this it's not like this like golden goose or like this like MacGuffin that's no one's ever gonna claim like they could they have the power to do that it's it, so it blows my mind that like it still hasn't <laughs> even in the red like Kalemni like in Kalemni's deck like it's still they still fudged it <laughs> they still messed it up like what why we got so many other cool things, even in those like that year, those two color decks that like it really like makes it stand out how like egregious an error that was. It might just be that so much of the support for these decks comes through things like limited archetypes, like a lot of these colors that are kind of overflowing with good options. It's because their limited archetypes tend to be slower. Like, black-green is very oh, grindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bl- like, blue-red is also a pretty slow deck, generally. Mm-hmm. So they naturally, just through the course of normal Magic set releases, those color identities get a ton of cards that support a commander playstyle. Oh, that actually... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that. That's actually really true. So, like, the system is just set up in a way that does not produce a lot of red-white cards that can do dirtily things. Yeah. Like, red-white is the anti-dirtle color combination. Yeah, definitely. You'll win a pretty good pre-release with your, like, aggressive Mm red-white pool you got. So, I think that's about all we had to say about the guilds of Ravnica commanders. Yeah, we'll get... Well, obviously, this is uh, going to continue. At some point in time, we'll get to the rest of the guilds and mm-hmm. colors we've got some some interesting ones coming up so yeah can't wait to chat about them yeah yeah some cool things coming thank you all for listening thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with me i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr if you want to reach zach he is at fat bartleby on twitter and tumblr the opening song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check him out on soundcloud we'll talk to you guys next time